Have you ever wondered what happened to the legendary Chuck Norris? I recently saw a health video he made and I was surprised. He's in his 80s and still seems to have his energy and health. He says he's even stronger, has more stamina, and plenty of energy left over for his grandkids since making one simple health change that helps his digestion and nutrition. He says he still feels like he's in his 50s. His wife made the same change and she's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger and she has energy all day. Many of us do not include the fruits, vegetables, and other herbs that increase health and energy in our own diets. Chuck Norris made a special video that explains how he incorporated these things with one simple product. You can watch it by going to mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. It may change your approach to your own health. Once again, that's mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. Very quick episode today. I uh, want to talk to you about a video someone sent me. So this is um, actually two messages I got in a row from different uh, patrons on Patreon. One sent me this link to a video that Founders Ministries put out. It's very short uh, by a guy named Graham Gundon, who works for Founders or with Founders Ministries. And he has... Um, he, he articulates the argument for staying in the Southern Baptist Convention, and he does it well, and it's the argument that I've heard over and over and over uh, from a lot of people, many who aren't now articulating that same argument, but it is the, it is the main one you'll hear. Um, this could apply, though, beyond Southern Baptist. This is any denomination that's uh, going in a bad direction and perhaps too far gone, but th- there's, uh, there's this rally to, to try to stay there because conservatives— way too often let organizations go go bad and what happens we we built up this beautiful organization we put lots of money into it it's well endowed we have great buildings and then we don't get to stay around for any of it uh, we we have to go and start and build a new one and the, you know this is what the fundamentalists did uh, this was uh, the whole idea behind Westminster Seminary and and denominations just keep splitting they just keep splitting into smaller and smaller segments until uh, you're you're so fractured, it's ridiculous. And of course, this is what Catholics berate Protestants for too. Um, I don't know if that they're doing that so much these days, but th- this is the this is the trend uh, for at least the last century. Really, more than that, the last two centuries at least, you see this trend. And so the question is, why why this trend? What what brings this about? I want to take a 30,000-foot view and just share with you some possibilities. Because a second patron sent me a message right after a different person that was just tailor-fit to this. I just couldn't believe how they went together, and I thought, that's a podcast right there. So let's uh, watch the video first from uh, Graham Gundon. And uh, this is uh, Graham Dun- Gundon and Tom Askell, and they, they're trying to make the pitch for staying in the Southern Baptist Convention and this is what he says. Conservatives in whatever institution, organization, or context you're thinking of, we're, we're known for taking our ball and going home. Mm-hmm. Things aren't going the way that I want it to go here and now, so I'm going to take my ball and go home. I'm going to go start my own institution or organization and do this because this organization isn't what I want it to be. Now he's absolutely right, but he is using the language of preference here, and it's not just uh, for people, and he may not even mean this in his own mind. He may be thinking of it in the terms that I'm thinking of it, but just for those who are listening, to be very clear, 
this isn't just a preference thing. It's, you know, they're using the blue colored, uh, you know, carpet, and I wanted the red colored carpet. It's it, we're not talking about that. We're talking about fundamental differences. We're talking about apostasy, downgrade, false teaching. Right? That's what's going on. It's not just a personal thing. It's this organization is not going the way God wants it to go. This organization is. Uh, count it, it is doing the opposite of what is it it, it is supposed to be doing it is um, taking the money that is given to the Lord and it is using it for purposes other than that that are actually against that that's the issue we're just always always on the retreat we're mm-hmm. never we're never on the offensive we're never trying to take ground we're always ceding more and more territory mm-hmm. either to the enemy or towards <laughs> brothers and sisters who are not doing things the way that they should be doing things. Now, this happened to some extent during the window that I've talked about from 2017-18 to 2020-21 when there w- really 20, when there was this window where I think you probably could have rallied the troops, got, got the SBC back on a little bit of a better track. You, you could have tried a second conservative resurgence, but a lot of the conservatives were calling the false teachers brothers, trying to make complementarian the, the, the hill to die on, trying to be really nice, read charitably, uh, not go too far. Um, it really, not not the same spirit that was in Adrian Rogers and Paige Patterson, to say the least. And so uh, I, I see what he's saying reflected in what I've noticed in the last two years is conservatives don't generally go on the offensive much. There was a little bit of that. I'm not saying there wasn't any of it, but it wasn't it, it wasn't that effective and it wasn't that aggressive. It was very uh, I mean, look, you had the conservative running saying, hey, there's no liberals running. Everyone's a good, you know, Christian brother, good conservative. That doesn't rally anyone to come out to the convention and, and vote for you. I mean, it doesn't sound like the alarm's going off. Like, it's not, it's not the hugest thing in the world. It's more of a preference thing. And unless, you, you, you know, you're pounding your fist on the table and, and you're saying, thus saith the Lord, this is evil. We have a false gospel cranking out of our seminaries. We have, uh, we have unbiblical ethics that are being promoted by institutions and entities and, and uh, in our denomination. Uh, we have um, corruption going on. Like, unless you're willing to really, you know, rally the troops, give a rallying cry, you know, then you're not, people aren't going to think that there's an emergency. So um, it hasn't been the Starship Enterprise with the red alert going off. We'll put, put it that way. It's been, uh, oh, there's a little turbulence. Oh, you know, uh, we don't like that. But that, that's what I've seen the last two years. I'm obviously overgeneralizing, and I'm not saying there weren't people who didn't fight, but there wasn't a concerted effort, okay? And so I think I see what he's saying here. Now, I don't know if he thinks that or means that, but th- their argument is to keep staying in the convention. And so, so, so it must be that, you know, we're, we haven't really fought yet. I don't know. I, we're going to fight. We're going to, this is going to happen. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But, but he, his desire is that there would be a real fight. Okay, and I look, I I get it. I can't. I'm not trying to fault him for saying this. I I'm sure uh, we would probably get along on a lot of things. I and I admire even the, but but it, you're coming onto the battlefield over after the battle's been mo- mostly fought. That's that's kind of been my critique of this. Um, but what the trends he's identifying is absolutely true. Conservatives, for whatever reason, the last 200 years or so, they especially as the nominations divide, you don't see the fighting spirit. Now, why is that? Why it, has it been so limp-wristed the last four years in the SBC with conservatives? What, what's going on? 
And so we're going to go start another organization. We're going to go start another institution, which in 50, 60 years, our right. descendants are going to do the same exact thing. And so what we do is we keep using our resources <laughs> to build institutions for the enemy. Okay. So we keep using our resources to build institutions for the enemy. This is what I want to uh, show you or, or talk to you about. I'll, I'll read it more. Uh, I had someone reach out to me and send me a speech um, by, it's called The Legacy of James Burnham, Foxes, Lions, and the Conservative Movement by a guy named Daniel McCarthy. And I listened to it actually twice uh, on double speed. So <laughs> if I listened to it once on single speed, I probably wouldn't have had to listen to it twice. But I really wanted to like understand what he was saying. And because I'm not familiar with these guys. I wasn't familiar with James Burnham really. Um, and some of the other guys that he mentions. And um, so James Burnham, Burnham was like the, he was an expert on Trotsky, but he was a, uh, one of the founding members, I guess, of National Review and William F. Buckley considered him a father figure, really influenced William F. Buckley. So on, on, the, concert, on the right, right? And um, he had, so he talked about, uh, and this is the, he had a fancier word for it, but uh, the, the layman's term is, he talked about foxes and lions and, and these two different, um, how do you say it? Personalities, tendencies, people that operate in different ways. One, some operate as foxes, some operate as lions. And the lions, like Donald Trump, right, would probably be in this. But like the lions are, there, there's a divide. You, you have in political conservatism, the uh, the people that are the voters and the voters tend to be more it's populism he doesn't use that term but they uh, they like Richard Nixon's silent majority they like Donald Trump's make America great again but those those didn't fit into what was happening in the intellectual conservative circles in fact a lot of intellectual conservatives were very much against Donald Trump so how does that make sense why are the voters why is there this disconnect between the voters and the people that run the think tanks and conservatism uh, incorporated and, and he says, well, it, it, you have to understand there's this personality of your foxes and your lions. And the foxes are the ones that end up getting into the positions of leadership. They're, they're very cunning. They have, um, they, they're very innovative. They like innovation. They, in fact, one of the things he identifies them uh, as is he says, if you hear someone say America is founded on, the, on these ideals that of equality or something like that, and that uh, the America is an idea; it's not a country. That that's that's a good indication that you're talking to someone who's more of a fox. They're they're more innovative. They're not uh, necessarily loyal, and they don't have a high sense of honor and duty that a lion has, where they're loyal to what what they tangibly experience and defending that. Uh, they're not they're not open as much to just from our minds imagining a different world and trying to create that they want to go with what's what they know and w with tradition right so there's a tradition kind of verse innovation thing happening here and that the the that's what's happening in conservatism and uh and, and so the same thing this this particular patreon was saying that ah, the same thing's happening in the evangelical movement i think he's absolutely right i think it's a very astute observation absolutely right and one of the things he he talks about is this uh it's called the revolving door. Uh, well, I guess it's just, that's all it is, the revolving door. 
And I'll read for you. This is what the patron sent me. Um, in politics, a revolving door is a situation in which personnel moves between roles as legislatures and regulators on the one hand and members of the industries affected by the legislation and regulation on the other, analogous to the movement of people in a physical revolving door. It has been used to refer to the constant switching and ousting of political leaders from offices such as the Prime Minister of Australia and Japan. In some cases, the roles are performed in sequence, but in certain circumstances, they may be performed at the same time. Political analysts claim that an unhealthy relationship can develop between the private sector and the government based on the granting of reciprocated privileges to the detriment of the nation and can lead to the regulatory capture. Okay, so this fits into this in this way. Uh, think about it politically first. You have what they call it the deep state, but you have people that work in government and then they go to the private sector and they marry people from the private sector who work in the government too. And there's, they go to the same cocktail parties, that kind of thing. There's this culture of uh, the media, the big business, um, government, they're all operating in the same social networks. And so there's like, there's social capital. There's, they have to have good relationships. And I, and I know a lot of people in the conservative world that are like this. I mean, like everything, they, they must be so um, just, it's very hard, I think, to operate like in that world because they must be so stressed with trying to maintain all these relationships, make sure they're on good terms with everyone. And there's this big incentive because if things go down at the ship you're on, you can jump to another ship in the private sector or in the government or your buddy over here. And that's why even when politicians lose elections, it doesn't mean that they lose their jobs. They they go unless they're, you know, MAGA people probably, but they, they go to, uh, they just land softly at another job in someone else's administration or you know, in the party leadership or something that that's, it's a whole industry and it, there's the connections are so tight between them and it's occupied mainly by foxes that these, it attracts a certain kind of people, a cunning kind of person, a ladder climber, someone who, um, now if we're thinking like biblical categories, right, this all sounds very negative. And I think um, in the lecture uh, on James Burnham, uh, Daniel McCarthy wants to say, well, it's not necessarily negative. It's just different personalities. I can't help but thinking, though, the Fox thing, though, there's a negativity to this. There's, th This is people-pleasing, right? This is um, fearing man instead of God. I mean, that tendency, at least, seems to, to be there. Uh, th this is um, looking out for number one and making sure that you are safe no matter what else is happening. And um, instead of um, applying, it, it, it's not wisdom that they have, it's cunningness that they have. It's a... Uh, it's an ability and an art of manipulating things, of deceiving people even at times. And these are the kinds of people that end up making this establishment. They, they naturally, I mean, I met guys like this even in seminary where it, um, the, the guys who know how to flatter and create a situation where they can get, get platformed by the professor or something like that. And they're good at it and they just know how to do it. So uh, these are the, the, the foxes, if you will. The lions, though, are the people who are very, very loyal. Not, they're not just after their, their own their, themselves, they're not, and they're not innovative. They're much more loyal to tradition, to their families, to uh, the, the situation that they grew up in. They, they don't want to try to create utopia. They're not what they're not trying to do is get a group of people together uh, for a higher purpose. They, they don't see that we should just be creating this higher purpose of, of this telos for um, for the, a, a political society that they need to accomplish something. There's nothing to accomplish, like some great feat or something. It's just, it's, it's trying to just, in this fallen world, maintain the true and valuable good things that, that we have. 
doesn't mean there's not room for reform or improvement. It just means it's not this grand, um, th th this grand goal that we're we're trying to uh, accomplish somehow. And th th things are good in and of themselves. Uh, the life that you live is an end in and of itself. It's not a means to equality or liberty or something like that. That's what I'm trying to say. So, um, so I thought that was an astute observation. I thought, yeah, that's true. And then um, the, there's another gentleman that was mentioned in the talk called Robert Michaels. And if you go to the Wikipedia page for him, uh, the guy who sent me this, he uh, let me just read this to you. Um, he theorized that all organizations eventually come to be run by a leadership class who often function as paid administrators, executives, spokespersons of political strategists. In the case of churches, many persons who derive their incomes primarily from parachurch entities like the blob out on Brown Road in Duloth, various seminaries, colleges, missions, etc. for the organization, far from being servants of the masses or of the church, Mitchells argues that this leadership class, rather than the organization's membership, will inevitably grow to dominate the organization's power and structure by controlling who has, and listen to if this makes sense in your parachurch organization or your megachurch, listen to this. By controlling who has access to information, those in power can centralize their power successfully, often with little accountability, due to the apathy, indifference, and non-participation most rank and file members and officers have in relation to their organization's decision-making processes. Because no one has time for that, right? Uh, they're busy feeding their kids and stuff. They're, they, don't, they just want to yeah, give to the church and take care of it, right? They're, they're not getting involved. Mitchells argues that democratic attempts to hold leadership positions accountable are prone to fail since with power comes the ability to reward loyalty. The ability to control information about the organization and the ability to control what procedures the organization follows when making decisions. All of these mechanisms can be used to strongly influence the outcome of any decisions made democratically by members. So this, this is fascinating to me because this is, it describes exactly what's happening. Um, Mitchell stated that the official goal of representative democracy of eliminating elite rule was impossible, that representative democracy is a facade legitimizing the rule of a particular elite, and the elite rule, which he refers to as an oligarchy, is inevitable. And I think he's absolutely right about that. I, I think dem democracy, this, this <laughs> look at every medieval movie. There's two themes, right? I want to marry for love because arranged marriages are oppressive and duty to your family and your country. No, that's bad. And then number two is let the people decide. We shouldn't have divine right of kings. It should the people. Democracy is good. And that is so drilled down from when you're a little kid that democracy is so important. Equality, democracy. When we go into the Middle East, it's all about democracy. We just got to establish democracy. You're not going to find that in scripture. A republic, which is what we have or should have. A rep I don't even know anymore after the last year. A representative government uh, is there. It's preferable to a monarchy when you have a population that is self-governing. If you don't have a population that's self-governing, which by the way means they are religious, uh, founders knew that. Then it, there's no, there's no point. Why even have why have a republic and why especially have a democracy? The founders didn't want democracy. That was mob rule. But today you just hear democracy, 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 uh, democratic socialism. Right? That like washes socialism in the waters of democracy. And what um, Robert Michaels is saying is there is no, inevitably what's going to happen is you, you, a hierarchy always emerges. It always does. It always does. It's inevitable. You will have the people who are the foxes, the cunning, the self-serving, uh, the innovative, the less principled, uh, the less concerned with honors, less moral scruples. They end up rising to the top. They just do. They end up, uh, and then once they get there, 
they figure out how to work the mechanisms to control the people uh, that put them there and that they're supposed to be serving, but they're actually usually taking resources from. So this happened in parachurch uh, ministry to some extent. This definitely happened in the government. And I think it relates to what Graham was saying in the video that I played at the beginning. This is why this happens over and over and over again. Conservatives create an organization. Over time, the, the foxes end up climbing the ranks. And they're, they're cunning. They're able to deceive people. Look, I, I can kill you story after story. It's very hard to vet. Um, but a lot of people are, they, 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 especially with Marxists, are so subversive, they, they just don't see it. This has been the problem in the SBC for the last like four years. It's like, I remember calling and talking to some of these conservatives in the SBC and being like, this is what's happening at my seminary. This is, and, and it was, the way it was treated was like, they had, well, I have to see that quote. I have to confirm this. And it's like, and that's very legitimate. Okay. But then even if I get the information, it's like, they, you know, well, you know, I don't know. It's still a good brother. I, I just can't, I think he's still on our side. I think Aiken, I, I think he's, he's still on our side. I think Al Mueller, he's, he's He's still there. He's still, even when the evidence was in, it was still, there was such a, the, the lions get taken advantage by the foxes. They're outfoxed. And this is what's happened over and over and over. Now, one of the questions uh, is, is this partially the result of industrialization? Which I don't have the ability right at this point to even probably comment on, but it is a thought I have. Did, did this get worse? Uh, not because human nature doesn't change, but did it get worse after the industrial revolution when there was, everything was so specialized uh, and things were operating on a bigger scale than they were before. And there was less accountability, um, more trust in someone who had a specific set of skills that were not, was not shared by others. And, um, you know, did this create a, a class of priests almost who were, you know, the scientists, the, uh, the, the career uh, politicians, the career theologians, the academics in certain fields where they, they were just, they were above almost the, uh, the, the lions, but, all, but just the population in general. They were, um, they were looked to in, in certain ways, uh, ascribed honor to, you know, to them, and they were untouchable in some ways. Is is it connected to that? And that's an open question. I don't know exactly, but it does seem like it's been a problem in the last 200 years more than ever. Now you could go back and say like denominations have been splitting off throughout the whole history of the church. There's always been schism. There's always even in the New Testament, right? Um, that's very true. Uh, but it, it seems to be much more amplified in the last 200 years. And uh, so I, I wonder about that. And And a lot of it does have to do with people from the left taking over the organizations. Conservatives tend not to be foxes. Their principles uh, prevent them from doing that. And they're not onto what foxes do. They're, they tend to be naive. They think to, to, to tend to think the best about people. They tend to think, they tend to think others are as um, principled and, uh, as they are, whereas the foxes tend to look at the lions and think of them as cunning and deceptive as they are. So they project all the time and ascribe motives that aren't there. And, and so, this is why this happens, I think. This is a big part of it. And uh, the, the question is, how do you break that cycle, right? So let's say the Southern Baptists start, like the, the conservatives say, we're going to start our own organization. Uh, Boy Scouts, right? They have now Trail Life, or I think it's called Trail Life. You know, our, this is our own organization. How do you keep that organization from getting corrupt? How do you make it so it's accountable to 
the, the actual members. How do you make sure that you get lions in charge instead of foxes? I don't have the answer to that. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, there needs to be a healthy dose of suspicion. There needs to be more vetting and more discernment. I know that. Uh, I know that there needs to be less fear of man. I know that. Those are the starting points for me. On a 30,000 foot view though, and you're looking at this as a pernicious problem and you want to create a solution that will carry through and, and ensure that a conservative organization remains conservative, the only thing I can think of is you gotta tighten it up quite a bit. What, what, the, what the left does is they take over an organization and they lock the door behind them. Conservatives leave the door wide open. Yeah, we, you know, we're we believe in this com common ground that we all have, that we can, uh, neutral territory that, like, I'll give you an example, like uh, at a Christian university, let's say, uh, they are, I, I've just seen this, they're much more likely to hire someone that doesn't even, even when they have faith statements, which which are good, which are do tighten things up, but even with that, the people that work at those places are much more likely to hire based on relationships than they are principal. They want, they want their buddies to come in and work with them. And if their buddies start shifting, they don't want to, they don't want to kick their buddies out. Conservatives are just, they're more personable on, on that level, I guess, on the, in that way. They're, they're more, um, they're not looking at their political goals all the time. They're looking at people and they and, and the people they like they want to help and and so they they end up uh they, they have to keep their principles more in the front of their minds and call attention to things um so i don't this is a more of a podcast with questions more than answers so maybe you can put your thoughts in the comment section what do you think about all this what do you think why do you think conservative organizations do this over and over and why do you think religious denominations and organizations uh, go apostate and leave orthodoxy over and over and over. What's the reason for that? And what can stop that cycle? Uh, what can stop it? So uh, God bless. Hope that was uh, a good episode to get you thinking today. And um, I would love to see you uh, this weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I'll be in Kentucky. I'll be in Nashville. Check it out at worldviewconversation.com. See you then. Bye now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.